All right, everyone, this is uh, Bishop Bowser. Welcome to Slow Motion with Bishop Bowser podcast. And also all those that are viewing or going to come in and view live stream Facebook. Uh, uh, right now, what I want you to do, because uh, this is going to be a good show here, right? Uh, I want you to tag somebody, start a watch party, uh, share your this live stream with someone, right? And if you're viewing and listening to the podcast, we most definitely want you to share that podcast and get the word out. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, a couple of subjects today. And um, I, when I posted what I was going to talk about, I'm going to do it in kind of a reverse order. And so my, my topics of discussion today, I'm first going to talk about my issues with defunding the police. And then I'm going to talk about why haven't I endorsed Barbara Brig or uh, Todd Gloria for a Senegal mayor. And, of course, I'm going to announce uh, who I'm going to vote for because they are in most of our districts anyway. But I'm going to uh, who I'm going to vote for in the um, Congress District 53, I believe it is, uh, uh, between Sarah Jacobs and Georgette uh, Gomez. All right. We thank you for uh, viewing and, and coming in. Uh, we most definitely want you right now. Once again, as uh, as I said earlier, please uh, invite somebody to come on in and listen and view and get this. So now one of the first things that I wanted to um, try to touch on and hit on a little bit before we uh, dive into uh, some of the stuff, because most definitely I want to talk about defunding police. But I want to give you a little background, a little um, uh, history on um, you know black people in America, right? Because what I'm gonna say about this defunding uh, is going to kind of put a monkey in the wrench, or whatever way they say. You know, I always say things kind of backwards, but uh, it's going to really put salt in somebody's game uh, for what people are doing. Because most of the time, you know, when you when you hear about uh, 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 defunding the police today, modern time, because of course it was black people uh, who uh, always brought the the discussion up about defunding or abolishing the police because of the racist uh, system that it is and how it has um, adversely impacted black people, right? And so uh, we know today, you know, they tie in uh, to that all people, right? You know, people of color, they say, but when you say people of color, you're talking about a little bit of everybody and not all people of color uh, face oppression under this um legal system, this uh, police system, or this criminal justice system. So let's get that right when we say people of color, because not all people of color are going through it. And a lot of the people of color don't like black people. So we might as well uh, make that right and make that straight. But, you know, we adopt those terms from people who are in the mainstream, a part of the elitist club, or getting their funding, their support, or something from the white establishment. And so that's part of the problem uh, with, a lot of, with a lot of folks that try to push certain narratives and try to make you think they're militant and they're down for the black people and all that, go look at their funding source and you'll see what they're really all about. Uh, that's what controls them, right? And so we can't let money control us. We have to ha be controlled by our principles. Those are the guiding things. So I want to share a little background information with you in regards to uh, why what my position is on defunding the police and especially the way they frame in the narrative today, right? When they actually talk about um, what some people say, you know, reallocating or redirecting those funding sources to something else, right? And then they start naming various different things, uh, but they're not real specific in it, right? You know, they're not as specific in anything when they talk about defunding the police, you know, and 
Um, and as I when I touch on Todd Gloria and Barbara Bree, you know, they oppose uh, defunding the police. But some of these same people who are out there really like defund the police, we want blah, blah, blah. And um, they they're supporting. Uh, either Barbara Bree or Todd Gloria, and they've made it plain and clear that they're not going to defund no police. But here, before we get to that, I do want to get to uh, my issues here, right? So, you know, America, and we know this has been uh, from the beginning since its inception. I'm going to touch on that a little bit. But America wants to control black people by keeping in this uh, legal system, right? Trying to control us. So when you when you think about it and when you look at that, I want to give you some back, some information about um, the criminal justice system when you're talking about the prison system, I should say. You know, according to the Prison Policy Initiative, the American criminal justice system holds more than 2.3 million people uh, in 1,719 state prisons, 102 federal prisons, 901 correctional facilities, 3,163 local jails, and 76 Native American country jails, as well as military prisons, immigration detention centers and facilities, uh, civil commitment centers, and prisons in the U.S. territories, right? That's a lot. And when you and, and now this is what I want you to take a bite on. Right. Forty percent of people incarcerated are blacks and which is a great disparity because blacks make up 13 percent of the U.S. population. Let me break this down for you just a little bit more. When you look at black men, right, black men uh, that are held in prisons in the U in the U.S. prison system, black men in the U.S. prison system. There are more black men in U.S. prison system than you have women, whether they're black, Latino, white, brown, what, uh, Asian, whatever. All women in the world. Did you hear what I say? There are more black men in prison in America than there are women in prison in the world. Now, we know black women are treated uh, more black women in prison than our white women. But when you're talking about the most oppressed group, it's the black men. And then it ties into the black family because look at this. One in 15 black children has a parent incarcerated, right? Mother or father compared to one in 40 children for the rest of the population. Now, that's, you know, so we got a serious problem uh, that I believe is rooted in systemic racism, structural racism, institutional racism, which takes us all the way back to the inception of slavery. Or I shouldn't say the inception of slavery, but slavery in America. Right. And so this is what we call mass incarceration and this is what mass incarceration has placed us in so when you look back at um uh, uh 1619 the first black slaves were brought to america as we all know we just celebrated that last year right of uh, i shouldn't say celebrate but we just went back and looked at it in uh, 400 years right uh they were brought to america and from slavery's inception here in america it has always been about first economics right which become racial capitalism and secondly social control which makes blacks conform or being second-class citizens either by law or social pressure and thirdly these two institutions grew into structural and systemic racism that we have today right when slavery when when slavery ended we find that uh you when you hear people talk about state rights right or uh, uh the uh, uh and the majority of the time when they say that these rights are proclaimed when states want to oppress black people that's what it's all about you know other folks get caught in that net, that broad net that that and that is cast out there but the direct target are black people 
So when we talk about that, blacks were asking for human justice when they were set free from slavery and did not receive it. Whites demanded white supremacy, and guess what? They got it. <laughs> so my brothers and sisters, after slavery and reconstruction, you go to 1865 to 1877, crime and punishment changed dramatically. From state to state, new laws targeted black people to criminalize them. It was a crime for blacks to walk on the side of a railroad. It was a crime for them to speak loudly in front of a white woman. Blacks couldn't conduct business after dark. They, uh, they would lock a black person up for not having a job or spitting. Only 10% of white people were arrested for crimes. The rest of black people, 90%, that, that's who was in the jails and who was being arrested. So Southern states after slavery rented out prisoners to private industries. The 13th Amendment allowed involuntary labor or slavery. They called it convict leasing, right? They allowed that. So prisons became a source of profit. States began to enrich themselves to convict leasing. So they enriched themselves in slavery off of black labor, and now they are, they are continuing to enrich themselves. So you, you got to look at this. Very enterprises such as brickyards, farms, lumberyards, mining camps, they bankrolled on the backs of black bodies, which a third of them were younger than 16 years old. Moving into the 20th century, freedom for blacks were replaced with the constant threat of prison, assaults, and lynchings. For black, it was a life of death. It was a life or death situation every single day, right? You slip up one time, you're gone. They falsely accused and convicted, ordered to pay fees and fines. They couldn't pay the courts, so whites would uh, make black people, uh, 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 or whites would buy them and lease them out for labor because they couldn't afford to pay the fees. So from 1910 to 1970, 6.6 million black people abandoned the South for the promise of work and a life free from racist persecution in the industrial North. That's where they started fleeing to. But they discovered de facto segregation, right? In reality, it was segregation. <laughs> Into ghettos, degrading and exploited jobs of lower wages uh, uh, than their white counterparts, and they, they continue to be oppressed, right? Then you go to civil war. I mean, uh, uh, civil rights, right? During the civil rights movement, there was an uprise in fight for justice among blacks. You know, people like Michael Max, people like uh, Martin Luther King, the Black Panthers, you know, Angela Davis, whole bunch of folks started rising up on the scene. You know, uh, in the civil rights movement, some had different ideologies and philosophies about how it could be done. But of course, uh, defunding prisons came up then too. Abolishing the prisons came up then, and we and, and we know that there were several people that was talking about that, right? So one of the things that happened was, you know, because folks like today during um, the protests, you know, of the various black folks that are being killed, whether it's George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, uh, um, um, uh, folks are in the streets, they're protesting. And, and, of course, sometimes they get violent and things happen, right? The same thing was happening back in the 60s, right? And, and guess what happened? To quell this, to quell this, in 1965, Lyndon Johnson signed the Law Enforcement Assistant Bills. It provided federal funding to police, courts, and prisons to fight against, quote-unquote, crime, right? And supposedly support the rule of law and order. This act changed the face of policing and prosecution, which took mass incarceration to another level. 
things like Rockefeller drug laws or mandatory sentences in 1973, right? Zero tolerance, criminalizing urban spaces has propelled us into overpopulated prisons. Even when you look, the mid-70s, race oppression erupted in the legal system where you had white supremacy systemically and structurally targeting black people specifically and some brown folks got caught up in that too. We must not forget about the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, which was the largest bill in the history of the United States, which further increased mass incarceration. And that's Clinton's bill. I talked to a a high-ranking law enforcement officer not too long ago, and he got hired during that time. He said he got hired under that funding because federal funding came to local police departments where they can hire police officers and get them equipment and cars and put them on the streets, right? And he said the thing that they were told back then was arrest and put in prison as many people as you can. And when the black culture is criminalized, guess who they're going to target? Of course, white people got caught up in it. Of course, brown people got caught up in it. Of course, different people got caught up. But the mass majority of the people that got caught up in that were black people. Right. And that became a part of the problem. And I'm and I, and, 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 and I'm, I'm going to show you this. So it wasn't until recently that the race war of oppressive systems coming against black people turned into a civil war. That's what we're in right now. You have on one side within this system, those that believe in being tough on crime. People like Kevin Faulkner, every time there's a, 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 a bill that comes out that want to reform the criminal justice system, he's the first one that want to come out and speak out against it. Now he's uh, uh, opposing or supporting Prop 20, which will support, which will, which will turn back the clock on Prop 47, Prop 57, AB 109, uh, and, and, and other different type bills uh, uh, and make more crimes violent and so on because he don't care about black people. And that's the thing that I still can't understand today why many of these uh, pastors want to still support him and they never call him out. You can't sell us out like that. And, and that's ridiculous. You know, Kevin Faulkner, but I'm going to show you that uh, Todd Gloria and Barbara B may not do that, but they're still going to be a problem if we don't deal with it. And you got a lot of black people supporting both of them, and it's going to be a problem with that if we don't really take a deeper look. But that was that. But when you talk about it and you look at Kevin Faulkner, that was part of the problem. He supported that, being tough on crime. But on the other side were some waking up. And saying being tough on crime is not a virtue, uh, and we must offer our citizens hope rather than handcuffs, diversion, treatment, rehabilitation, fairness, rather than punishment. That's what we got to hope. Offer them hope rather than handcuffs. And diversion, treatment, rehabilitation, fairness, rather than punishment. And that's what we should be doing. So as I get and tell you my position on why what I'm dealing with in defunding the police, I just want to bring out some disparities here so you can understand this. The disparity in the criminal justice system that has led to mass incarceration of blacks has been perpetuated by police and prosecutors. Now, somebody said an interesting thing. I think it was on Twitter. And I said, you know, that that brother got a good point. He said, you know, what is a what is a progressive prosecutor? <laughs> you still locking people up. You still get people sent to prison. You still part of enforcing white supremacy. I don't care how progressive you are <laughs> or, or prosecutors or what have you. Uh, we appreciate you, you know, uh, uh, being more towards the version and treatment and things like that. 
But uh, <laughs> you're talking about a prosecutor. They still got to prosecute you. And there's still a lot of innocent people going to prison and still a lot of people being sentenced because the judge is the one that's sentenced and being sentenced unfairly when you compare it to white people. So look at this, my brothers and sisters. Blacks are more likely to have their cars searched than whites. We know that. Data proves it. They are more likely to be arrested for drug use. We know that, right? 35 to 45 percent of the people that are in prisons for drugs are black people, which only make up uh, 13 percent of the population. We narrow down to black men is about six or five percent of black people. Right. So so that that's horrible. Right. Look at this. Blacks are more likely to be jailed while waiting trial. They, you ain't getting no bail now. And a lot of times your bills will raise so high you can't even get out. Right. Blacks are more likely to be offered a plea deal that includes prison time. That's why we have so many folks that are out now when they're formerly incarcerated. They have so many stumbling blocks to overcome when they get out because of their criminal record, right? And that's part of a problem. Blacks are more likely uh, to be excluded from juries because of their race. We'll see what this new law does, but I guarantee you it probably won't do too much, especially the way they write things down. I get exempt all the I get kicked out of a jury all the time because of my background, right? They go into so they don't look at where you are now. They look at they try to find some some spots in your in your past and use that against you and kick you off the jury pool or or you know, being on a jury. So blacks are more likely to serve longer sentences than whites for the same offense. We know that, right? And one of the things that uh uh I was talking about the other day, I think yesterday, was is that when you look at cocaine use, white people, 80 percent of white people use cocaine and um, uh, all uh, all the co crack cocaine. When you look at crack, crack cocaine, 25 percent of cocaine is crack cocaine. But of that 25 percent of cocaine, crack cocaine, only five percent of black people use that. Right. Five percent of the black population use that versus three uh, percent of the white population. So blacks are more likely to, to be dis disenfranchised because of a felony, right? Blacks are more likely to have their probation revoked. And that's one of the things that Prop 20 is going to do is instead of folks going to jail or whatever, or they get in trouble with their probation officer, you're going back to prison. And so the United States has a shameful history of criminalizing and dehumanizing black Americans and San Diego. And it is the, and, 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 or I should say, California is the epitome of that. And you bring it down to San Diego, same thing. Uh, Dr. Shirley Weber said one time that California has the largest prison system in the world, not just in America, but in the world, all right? And it, you, you say this is a progressive liberal state. So <clears throat> let me show you some, some uh, data on, on arrest from Sandag, right, of 2017, the latest data that I have. It talks about most recent arrests, right? It said arrests for white adults, 31.2 per 1,000. Arrest for Hispanic adults, 34.2 per 1,000. That's almost the same. We say, you know, black and Spanish, black and brown, and things like that. But look at this huge discrepancy. Arrest for uh, uh, black adults is 122.9 per 1,000. So for whites, 31 per, uh, per 1,000. Hispanics, 34 per uh, 1,000. And blacks, almost 123, 123 people per 1,000. That is a huge discrepancy. Most of you saw the district attorney's report, the 25-year review on police shooting. Blacks are seven times more likely to be shot by law enforcement in San Diego County than whites per 1,000 people. When blacks are treated more harshly than whites, research often confirms racial bias 
implicit and explicit are partially responsible for that. Right. And so I want to close by, by saying this, that, you know, when when people think black, they think crime, which causes black people to be placed under surveillance. Blacks are rarely seen in the public eye as victims, but perpetrators. And so when we talk about defunding the police, you know, um, when I, uh, I really started hearing that term this year, you know, uh, and paying attention to it was this year, but it has a history behind it as far as defunding the police. But it, it gained momentum this year. You know, a lot of people's talking about it. Defund the police. And some, those that for abolition, I've always heard of abolitionists, right, talking about abolish the, 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 the police system. And I'm all for that if we can come up with a new way to replace something, to replace it that would keep the community still safe, right? But, but the thing of it here is, is that blacks are always looked at perpetrators and not as victims. So then we have black men, black women being killed this year by the police. And when they saw that George Floyd thing and that oh, nine minutes of, of this guy killing him, right, right on TV or on the video. And so one of the things people started saying is defund the police, man, take their money, reallocate it. And so on, you know, and, and put it, you know, take that money and use it in the community. We got a homeless problem. We got drug problem. We got mental health issue problem. We got housing problems. We got education problems. We got all we got employment. Problems. We got all kind of issues and we can take that money and use it. Right. And one of the key things that they were using to fight or to push defund the police is, quote unquote, black lives matter. Right. Black Lives Matter, you know, the politicians, they were holding these signs, Black Lives Matter, right? Uh, Black Lives Matter, defund the police. Black Lives Matter, defund the police. But guess what happened? When they talked about where those resources going to be reallocated to, it, it sure wasn't to black people, right? And you know, whenever, whenever a policy is passed that's supposed to benefit or be for black people, Every other race benefit from that policy or law than black people do. Even when you look at the economic and the racial wealth gap, black people are on the bottom. Everybody else is stepping on them, including brown folks and, and everybody else. They, everybody's stepping on them, make, making it to the top. And it's the black people that, it, the, that are the most oppressed. It is the black people, the reason why we have the system that we have, that's why they have it, is, is, is against us, to oppress us. And so when you want to talk about defunding and then when the money is going to be reallocated it goes to everybody i'm against that so i'm saying forget a defund the police if that's what you're going to do if you're going to send it if the, no 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 you could do just like they did with the bill with with shirley dr shirley weber's bill simply remember shirley weber's bill on reparations they're going to do a study and all of that uh they could have done the same thing right here right right here in uh, uh, San Diego County or San Diego City, they could have said, yeah, we're going to defund the police and we're going to do a study to see how black people have been impacted on this uh, through uh, uh, the policing, which is uh, a part of that system. It's not the same system, but it's a part of that slavery system, right? Because you have slave patrols, which in the South, it was used as a police system. But, you know, it changed as when 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 
when slavery ended, you know, you had, you had uh, police in the north, police south, which they got that concept from London, England, I should say, or Europe. But but it, it, it has its links in some roots there, right? Because in the south, that's what they were doing. That's what they were using them for. And so it's all tied to slavery, right? When you talk about the police, you're talking about defunding. So how in the world are you going to say everybody, this is for everybody? And nobody, I didn't hear nobody say, well, no, we got to just, this money got to go to black people. These resources got, we got to set it up in a way to where that we directly go and help black people. If they're homeless, let's get our black people off the streets first. If they don't have a job, let's get our black people a job first, right? If they need housing or, 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 or education, let's get our black people a job first. If they need education, let's get our black people the education first. Let's use those resources for that, right? Yes, is it discriminatory? Yeah, because we've been discriminated ever since we've been in this country, and 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 we need some preference. That the, the racial wealth gap, the oppression, everything that black people go to, uh, you got uh, people have a whole lot of nerve to try to come up against anything when we talk about reparations or what are the resources that should be coming directly to black people. And so, yes, am I talking about a form of reparations? You mighty right, I am, uh, because it's old and it's due to us because we are the descendants of slavery, right? We are descendants of slavery. And so uh, that is due to us. You know, we, we are owed a check and we owe a, a check and a whole lot more. And, and that's what we should be fighting for. So when people talk about defund the police, you know, uh, bef be before they started going down to City Hall in the county talking about defund the police and, and where the social uh, resources are going to be allocated to, it was Black Lives Matter. But then when they talk about the allocation of those resources, it became generic. All lives matter. Right. And, 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 and so, you know, you, you got to get off that trip, you know. Um, and, and so and, and so when uh, so moving on. And so that's why I don't support the I, I support the fund of police is going to be used. Right. Right. But I can't get behind something where uh, our so-called black leaders and activists and uh, black power and part of this black movement going to sell us out and sell us down the river. Right. And we still be left out in the cold. When, you know, you, you know, like in a business deal or anything, you got to get it in writing specifically as, so that you can see it clearly and know how it's going to benefit you and, and what the hidden uh, clauses are. Right. So so they, so you got the folks are getting duped on that and your so-called black leaders are leading the way. The ones that think they so uh, progressive and socialist and extremist on the left and want to change things. But you're going right along with it. You pushing this and you you so you actually supporting white supremacy. And so that's what lead me to uh, a Barbara, uh, council member, Barbara Bree, and assembly member, Todd Gloria. Uh, let me just say this, you know, at the offset is that um, I appreciate Todd Gloria more than I do Barbara Bree. And let me tell you why. Um, I have challenged both of them on police reform and asked them what they're going to do. Bob Bree has ignored me to this day. At least Todd Gloria reached out to me. At least Todd Gloria, when um, uh, I, I tagged him and Bob Bree, at least one time he did respond, right? And he did want to set up a meeting, and we were working on setting up that meeting. But um, uh, I think something happened up at uh, up in Sacramento, and he wasn't able to come down and meet. So we never did follow up on that. We did meet on some other stuff. He's helping me. He was helping me with a family and so on. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, and I also appreciate that he does acknowledge 
you know, when he's discussing things like pretext stop and things like that, he does acknowledge that, you know, yeah, you know, I know I've heard I heard what Bishop Bowser said on that. It's not about me, but I'm just saying if, if I'm going to support you, then it is about me from the perspective of, of where you stand on issues. And so I do appreciate that, right? But the issue I have with Todd Glory is he was endorsed by uh, the police union. That scares me because uh, you don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means um, uh, uh, when, when, you know, being endorsed because um, when, when you say things like, I'm not for defunding the police, then it made me think, well, why are you doing that? And I know, you know, and I, I think, let me say, I haven't seen the uh, propaganda that Todd sent out about Barbara I just heard them debating a little bit on it on NBC7. And um, Barbara, they were, and I, I saw writers about it, but not really reading the stories, but just, oh, okay, there they go with the politics. But, you know, Ty Gloria uh, sent it to the Republicans, said that Barbara B is a progressive, right? And then he sent it to the uh, uh, um, uh, the liberals saying that she was too conservative. <laughs> she was like a Republican. The Republican loved her. And when I saw it, I said, but that's true, though, right? Because she does try to act progressive at the same time. She's trying to make an appeal to all these conservatives, all these Republicans and people like that and so on, right? And, and because... She hasn't put anything tangible on the table, right, when it comes to black people, when it comes to policing. You could talk all that stuff, south, uh, what they say, south of the aid, and I'm going to re help revitalize the community. I'm going to bring jobs. I'm going <clears> to <throat> do this. I'm going to support Monica, Councilmember Monica McGurry on her race and equity department, all these other kinds. Man, that's all bureaucracy. You ain't getting down to nothing, right? We're talking about policy change. You know, if, if you could say you're going to set up policies for this and an ordinance for this, because I heard Todd Glory say that, then you could say you could set up an ordinance of policy in racial profiling. You could set up an ordinance of policy to change the police policies to say that they shall they shall de-escalate rather than use force, right? Uh, and, and, and so, you know, when it comes to police reform, when you talk about things like a citizen review board, I believe in those and I support... Um, uh, San Diegans uh, for Justice, I think it's called, and um, my friend uh, Andreas San Julian, I support them. I support, I think it's called uh, Proposition 8 or something like that or whatever the ballot is, Measure B, I'm sorry, Measure B. I support that in the sense, you know, uh, 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 I, I think it should get passed, but it's not going to change how police are policing the community. It's not going to change systemic racism or the racist culture within policing. It's not going to stop them one bit from killing us, putting handcuffs in us and sending us to prison, right? That's, it's not going to change any of that. I think that, yes, that helps with accountability, but you must add, be able to fire. You must add a prosecutor that can prosecute because if all you're doing is giving a report and embarrassing them before the public, it might have some impact, but it's not going to have the, the impact to change systems like systems need to be changed. So I support it, but I'm just telling you that 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 had that bill, Measure B, has given Barbara Bree and Todd Glory a cover. You hear what I'm saying? It has given them cover. So when they talk about police reform, well, I support Measure B, right? Okay, what does that mean? You know, there's some specific things that you can do down at city council, right? Uh, as a mayor, you know, use that as a bully puppet. You can change some stuff. You can lead the way. And you're not even talking about it, right? You know, when we, when we, when we, when we, well, when I asked uh, Ty Glory, hey man, um, uh, are you willing to uh, withdraw the the endorsement of the police union? Didn't respond, right? 
Um, so that makes me think like we got a problem there. And if the police oppose anything, police union or police association, because somebody said we shouldn't call them unions, and I agree with that. Police associations should, uh, 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 if they are against anything that we present, they got Todd Glory in his pocket. Or oh, otherwise, he's going to have to show us that they don't. Come out with some tangible. Talk now before election and tell us what you're going to do. We got a, we got a, a coalition, a, co a coalition for co uh, uh, police accountability and transparency, right? And we have like five policies. One of the main ones I'm pushing for sure is protect, right? Preventing over-policing through equitable community treatment to end these pretext stops, to end the racial profiling that started way back in the 80s when, they, when the DEA trained 27,000 police officers in 48 states. And those officers went down to their, back to their departments and trained them on how to racially profile black people. Of course, the DEA said we didn't train them to profile black people. Of course, they're going to do that. And then the other thing is, is with uh, Todd Gloria and Barbara Bree, they, they, they need to say, yes, racial profiling exists. And if I if we if we if if the chief, whatever chief we have, if he don't acknowledge that, we're going to fire his butt and we're going to bring a chief in that will look at the data, do the research and recognize the fact that, yes, racial profiling is a problem uh, uh, and biased policing is a problem in San Diego. That's simple. It's simple to to get behind some of this stuff rather than speaking in generics and and hiding and, and not really being specific about what you want to do. So then nobody can hold your feet to the fire when it come out. Oh, I did reform. See, we got measure B. Oh, I did reform. See, we did this little de-escalation trainings over here and all this kind of stuff. Right. And we still getting killed. We still going to prison. We're still struggling, you know, because of that, to get a job, to get an education, uh, 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 to get housing, you know, all these different things that impact us, right, in every, central, in every situation, right? Even if, you, if a family member die and, and you got to get that child and they get caught up in the social uh, system, if you got a criminal record, you have a problem even adopting your own loved one, right, because of a criminal record. There's so, it's so deep when you talk about uh, how from slavery to now, how the criminal justice system has messed us up. And Todd Glory and Baba Bree, they're, they're, they're hiding. They're not really acknowledging that. And we got black people that supporting both of these people, right? And I'm sure they're listening to y'all, or maybe they're not. Because, you know, you ought to know that there's some things they ought to come out publicly. So the first candidate that publicly come out and say, I endorse and support protect. And if the city council gets it to my desk, I will sign it and I will make sure that it becomes a city ordinance and I will hold police accountable. Hey, you got my support. Whoever come out first and do that, Todd Gloria or Barbara Beach, that's all you got to do. That's something simple. We're not asking for a lot. I'm not asking for a lot. We can begin there. I looked at your uh, web pages and your racial justice issues that you're going to address and things like, oh, that's fine and dandy. But that only can help black people if we get them out of this criminal justice system. That can only help black people if we for sure keep Prop 20 from passing, right? Because it criminalizes us and de dehumanizes us, then make us a second uh, cast uh, 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 a citizen, like a cast person, and, and we become a second class citizen, right? And, and that's what you got. You, before you talk about all these other things you bring in and what you're doing, you got to, like, start addressing this criminal justice system, this legal system, this system that has been oppressing black people forever. So, you know, I'm not going to harp on it too much. 
with Barbara Bree and Todd Gloria because I get in trouble a lot for things I say because sometimes we need their help and then they don't want to talk to you because you didn't say something about them. But, you know, hey, look, it is what it is, right? So my last thing that I want to talk about here is um, uh, the Congress district. District, uh, I believe it's 53, my district I live in, uh, where Sarah Jacobs and uh, Georgette Gomez, council member, president of the city council, uh, Gomez, uh, Georgette Gomez, they're running for that, right? And um, both of them has, you know, been nice to me. I can't say neither one of them have um, done anything in a sense to me or seen them do anything that, that, that I had issues with as far as on a personal level with me. Uh, when, when Georgette first launched her campaign, they reached out to me, invited me to their, their uh, launch, campaign launch, and all that. I didn't go, of course, because I learned a huge lesson in supporting Nathan Fletcher, in endorsing him. I endorsed him uh, before a lot of other candidates came out. Then there was a couple of black candidates that announced their candidacy. I knew one that was possible was going to run, but I made a commitment to Fletcher, and 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 when Kim Marlboro and and Passion came out, and and so I you know I would have rather support one of them, support one of the brothers, and I felt bad about that because I had uh, already put my word out. I wasn't going to go back on my word. I wish I would have though. Uh, because um, uh, he's selling us down the river too, you know, still tied into the white supremacy. He's uh, he should be co concerned about COVID nineteen, but there's a whole lot of other issues going on. You got a lot of black people that voted for you, uh, and that's all I'll say about that. But back to Gloria, I mean not Gloria, Georgette Gomez and uh, Sarah Jacobs. Um, so I don't have an issue with Gomez. I went to a meeting a couple months ago. Was, I think it was even before the breakout. Yeah, it was had to be before the pandemic with Sarah Jacobs, you know, they had some kind of luncheon and we was invited. I really like what she was saying, what she presented there. And we, you know, you had some pastors and different folks there asking some tough questions, you know, and um, she held her own in that. I was very impressed with what she, with her holding her own and things like that. And I really like uh, Georgette also. But, you know, here's the dividing line for me, right? Because I'm really, I, I, I really have an issue when we talk about we want to reform police and then we drag our feet and then we throw out little things like, oh, we got the CRB, we got the measure B. I know people look at it different from me, but to me, like, that's not going to change the way things are going on the streets. And when you talk about the way we are pulling the street, it's not going to change it. Whatever. Go look at some of the places where they have some of this stuff. You still have police brutalizing black people. That's not going to change. So that's why a lot of people, when they say abolish the system, I'm all for that. Abolish it. But please, let's sit down and come up with an alternate plan before we do that so we can make sure we keep the community still safe and, and, and healthy, right? But, but when I look at police reform and when I, when I uh, Sarah Jacobs, because she's not a politician, she, she got the upper hand because you can't look at a record and you can't say, well, what about this? Uh, and so on. So she got up her hand on that. And, you know, I did meet with her. I really like uh, uh, Georgette too, but I was waiting, right? I was waiting. I had not, I, I was leaning towards Sarah, but I was waiting for Georgia because I, she had been fair to me in the sense of how she treated me and things like that. So I, I was really waiting on her to do something about police reform and, and measure B, you know, that's, I mean, that should have been passed at the last city council. 
you know, they dogged us out on that at the uh, at the the city council before Georgette them got in there, right? This is a, probably third, fourth, because a, a lot of these folks, uh, uh, Andres and Julian, been working on this for years and years, right? And so that should be on the ballot, and that should have attention, right? I'm not saying that, that's for sure. But what I am saying is that that don't change how the streets are policed. You know, that's the back end, that's not the front end. And Georgette, as the president for at least a year and a half, almost two years, have not really presented anything. She know about protect. You not to, you don't you can't blame put everything on uh, Councilmember Monica Montgomery. You know she's one person. You know you got you the president. You got muscle. You know you uh, unless y'all in cahoots together. But y'all man, uh, we've been working on this for about three years. I would say at at very minimum of the three years to protect the in uh, and pretext stops racial profiling things like that. We've been working on that for a while. And every single time we think it's about to go forward, it get pushed back for something else, right? Again and again, it got pushed back for the smart street light. Got pushed back, always getting pushed back. And so on. So I'm starting to believe that maybe they just jiving us, don't want to get passed. But one thing is for sure, this is going to hurt Georgette in vote. Because I'm going to vote for, I, I endorse and, and vote for Sarah Jacobs because I believe that, you know, she will do, do the right thing in Congress. We got a lot of stuff that needs to be done up in there and reform and things like that. We're going to see how things happen. If, if things turn around in the Senate and we get another president, we can really sit down and have some meetings and start changing some things there. And so I, I'm really looking forward to that. But I can't really trust Georgette in that because of what she's doing in city council. And so now, you know, we don't know when we gonna deal with protect. I mean, what well, we have some. I have some. We have some ideals, but even now, I think that some of those dates might be. I can't tell you what the dates are, but those dates might be pushed back even more, and we'd be in two years. Then it's election time again, right? These folks have been jiving us, and she's the leader. She's the president of the council. Don't don't be trying to have cover on the Monica uh, Councilmember Monica Montgomery. I shouldn't say Montgomery. I'm sorry, step Monica Montgomery. Step. Forgive me for that. Um, uh, in city council, oh, she's on the Public Safety Liberal Neighborhood Committee. They handle all public safety issues which deal with police, deal with fire, lifeguards, all that kind of stuff, right? And all the different things like whether it's body cams or uh, 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 surveillance cameras and things like that, the, that, that is one of the committees that deals with a lot of that. And so they always say, Monica Montgomery, you know, we're going to council member step now. You know, we're going to, you know, um, we're going to follow her lead what have you i'm not buying that i'm telling you right now i'm not buying that and you could have done something if you really care about what's happening in the street so that's why i'm supporting sarah jacobs for congress i'm going to vote for her she's in my district so i have a sway in that <laughs> saying that and i know a lot of folks in southeast and different areas are like that her district stretch out to a lot of these different places and i know they're going to uh, vote for her and so that's what I want to talk to you all about today. Don't want to hold your time up. I hope um, um, uh, share this, spread it. Because, you know, one of the things I've found is that people share what they want to share, right? And and one time I said something negative about uh, Lorraine Gonzalez uh, Fletcher when she was supporting her husband, Nature Fletcher, uh, when they pushed forth that bogus reform bill. And um, I said some negative things about it because she was praising him for it. And then she came on my page. I said, somebody told her. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're friends. So somebody told her about it, right? So go, go, go spread the word. Tell people about this. Get it out there. I want them to know. And share it, right? Tag folks and things like that. 
And, you know, don't send me stuff talking about, oh, well, Glory's going to do this and Bree going to do this. And so I want to hear from them. Let them get out there and make a public declaration. They can do a simple thing. I, and this is not a bribe. This is not uh, trying to tie their hands or anything. I'm not offering money, anything like that. I'm saying if you want my support, then show me in policies that you can, you're bold enough of a leader to stand up against the police unions, to stand up against white supremacy and say, yes, I'm going to support this. Protect. I'm going to support it. We're going to end pretext stops. Right? We're going to change policies on using force and we're going to stop people from getting killed. When, and, and whoever is the mayor, if you're talking about you for reform, when these arrests that I talked about, 30, 31 white people arrested per 1,000, 34 Hispanics arrested per 1,000, and 122 black folks arrested per 1,000, when it's all 31, 31, 31, or 31, down there in the 30s like the Hispanics and, and whites for blacks, then I know least in arrest you brought some reform. When force on black people is reduced from five, being five times higher than whites to being equal, then I'll say, yes, you, you did something about police reform on police force, right? And de-escalation. When, when this is in the county, it does include all the city of San Diego, but I'll just use that as a generic uh, stat. But what the county board, what the uh, uh, district attorney said, the 25-year um, study showed that black people are killed seven times higher than white people. When that goes down to even with whites, that blacks are killed even with, with whites, or shouldn't be killed at all, but it's even, where there's no disparity or discrepancy or bias in it, then I say you've done something about keeping us from getting killed by the police. And then when they do do, we want them to fire. We want them to go to prison, right? We want them in jail, you know, and held accountable, right? And so that's some of the things you can kind of measure if you, if you really want to talk about reform rather than when we come four years from now, Lord will and Lord should tarry. Oh, well, I did this, I did that. We got Measure B passed. We got Measure B passed. We got a policy on the smart street lights. <laughs> and let me just say something else in touching on the defunding of the police, right? Um, for years, we've been pushing against shot spotters, right? Get that out of here. And this was before I was hearing people say defund, right? I was saying get rid of that, get rid of those shot spotters. And if you really want to address violence in the community, we got a lot of violence disruptors. We have a lot of people that's for gun violence prevention that's out on the streets with boots on the ground that's working. Start supporting, bring that, that millions of dollars into these organizations and help and let those organizations do the work in preventing violence from happening rather than using a shot spotter that didn't work. And you wasted all that money, right? Uh, that's uh, a problem. Then the other thing is, is one of the things I've been speaking out against, even some people that were in my circle is like, yeah, you need to give the uh, hire more police officers for a gang intervention department where they, they, where they work on intervention. And I'm telling these people like, no, police shouldn't be doing no gang intervention. That's our job. Take that money and that resource they're doing over there and give it to us and let us do that. I've been saying that for years. You know, when people talk about defunding stuff. And so, you know, that's just uh, 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 two little examples when we talk about, you know, what we can do. Right. Uh, but all this rhetoric and following what's trending and allowing narratives to be framed a certain way and everybody just jump on it. Um, you know, that's not going to work with me. You know what I'm saying? And so 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 that's what I have to say. I, I you know, hey, look, uh, you don't have a lot of time, but Georgette could still turn some things around, right? She can move right now, get some stuff done, and get it right to the mayor's desk, whether you sign it or not, right? But 
<laughs> it's like a deadbeat council. It didn't get too much done, if you ask me. I know a lot of other people are excited about a lot of stuff, and you fall for this petty stuff, but I'm on the street. I, I'm a black man in America. I've been, I've suffered at the hands of the police since I was a young kid growing on up, right? And so I know what it's like. I experienced it. I lived it. And I'm telling you, that stuff ain't going to change how folk, black folks are treated on the streets. So God bless you. And um, thank you for tuning in to um, Slow Motion with Bishop Bowser and also live stream on Facebook. Really appreciate those that stepped in and listened. Um, I can't see your comments, so I can't really uh, comment, but I, I, uh, no comments. If not, then we're going to go ahead and move on. Um, and so uh, uh, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>